The scripture stories are such remarkable stories and uh, they carry so much truth and they do it whether it's literal or not, um, but that they hold the truth that allows us to access it and then to make it our own and then to be transformed by it. So here we have the story of Jonah. Now, I, I think a lot of it is, is mostly symbolic. For example, I think Jonah got swallowed by the whale for three days and three nights. Um, the gastric juices alone would have done him in. But three, aha, one, two, three strikes, you're out. It's one of those magic um, numbers. Three strikes and you're out. And uh, then he ends up on the shore of Nineveh, and it says... It was an enlar uh, unusually large city. It took three days, hmm, three nights to travel the city. Once again, this symbol, one, two, three, strike, you're out. But this time it's one strike, you're out. It didn't even last a full day. Word got to the king, and the king, from bottom to top, top to bottom, said, that's it, sackcloth and ashes. So he poured ashes all over himself, put on sackcloth, sat in the ground, and they regretted, they repented of their sin. And then it says, then God relented of his anger. Um, again, I think a, a, a very immature, young community of faith. Uh, they believe in a God getting angry with them, punishing them, and they had to please the gods. Now, by this time, far gone were the uh, dedication of young virgin girls to be thrown into a pit and killed to please God. How that would please God, I don't know. But that's what they believed, people believed. But no, no, just it took just the word of the prophet to reach the ears of the king, and he said, that's it. We must all repent. Everyone must repent. And then he set the example. So the gospel looks back at that and recalls Nineveh and holds that as a model for us. Remember, at the preaching of Jonah, even just one day of it, the whole world of Nineveh changed and repented. Should we not do the same? Now, the, the responsorial psalm, this is what we kept repeating, a heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. And we think, that's logical, that's fair. Come on, God, give us a break. But let me ask the question, will God spurn a heart that's not contrite and humbled? If somebody comes without being contrite, repentant, will he say, well... I'm going to destroy you. I don't think so. But we use that language because I guess it encourages us or challenges us to say our bad will come to bad. And this goes from the bottom of the top, the top of the bottom. God's got to be complicit in this. If we're bad, we pay for it. But I think not. I think really the mercy of God is so much bigger it's so big it doesn't make sense. It's so big it's illogical and ridiculous. But isn't that the mercy that we want to believe in? A God that no matter what keeps calling us, keeps inviting us, keeps offering his soothing and healing grace. No surprise to me that every Mass when we begin, we say, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord be with you and with your spirit. Now let us call to mind our sinfulness. Let us repent. Not a bad place to start with anyone. Hi, how are you today? Hey, I'm sorry if I uh, have neglected you. I mean, what a nice place to start to acknowledge we're not perfect, we make mistakes, we sin, we fail. 
Because in that rich earth, repentant earth, what can we do except to experience the divine mercy of God healing and giving us new life? Nice way to start Lent. It's exactly one week from the beginning, Ash Wednesday, and we begin with the spirit of repentance. Because without this, I'm afraid we won't open every crack and crevice of our heart, and that's what we need to do. And when we open every crack and crevice of our heart, um, we believe in a God so full of mercy and love that all God can do is fill us, fill us, fill us, fill us, fill us with God's love. That's the invitation. That's the grace of Lent. Let us stand and lift our needs and our prayers to God.